Right now, the insurance industry is in one of the biggest legal fights in its history. And it started a few months ago at a dinner party. One day in mid-March, March 12th, a well-to-do, successful New Orleans lawyer named John Hotelling was having a dinner party at his historic mansion on St. Charles Avenue. Our colleague Leslie Sism covers insurance. He had a four-course French meal planned. They had the big dining room set up, beautiful tables with hand-painted Mardi Gras masks as party favors and some flowers on the table. It's just a beautiful arrangement. The four-course meal was organized by one of John's friends, a French chef named Jerome Bocuse. At one point during the meal, the conversation turned to the coronavirus. If you think of March 12th, there were some big events happening around there. On March 11th, the World Health Organization declared the new coronavirus to be a global pandemic. There had been shutdowns in Italy that John was well aware of because he has a vintage race car team that's there in Italy. John said, this is going to come to America. And that's what he said at the dinner. These shutdowns are going to come here. Restaurants are going to be closed. In fact, John's friend, Jerome Bocuse, said that he'd found out that day that he had to close one of his own restaurants, a French restaurant in Disney's Epcot Park. And John Hoteling turned to Jerome Bocuse and he said, listen, Jerome, I need to get your insurance policy. I want to see that insurance policy. John's odd request of his friend was because John's specialty as a lawyer is in the insurance industry. The marble staircase New Orleans mansion that John was hosting his dinner in was bought with money he made from fighting insurance companies. In the wake of disasters like Hurricane Katrina and Superstorm Sandy, John had represented property owners in their fight to get insurance money and won big. Jerome Bocuse's problem got John thinking that there might be another battle brewing, this time because of the pandemic. And he set out to take on the insurance industry again, to force them to pay up. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, July 2nd. Coming up on the show, the battle over billions of dollars that businesses say would save them and insurance companies say would bankrupt them. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. After the pandemic hit and governments imposed broad shutdowns, many businesses were struggling to make ends meet. So some thought, hey, I got insurance. Some of them call their agents or their brokers and say, talk to me about this. Am I covered? All kinds of businesses, restaurants, gyms, coffee shops, 
started filing claims with their insurance companies to help cover their losses during the shutdown. One of them was Eric Bayless, who owns a group of restaurants in Chicago. He had just furloughed 400 and some employees, and he knew he was going to need money to cover his utilities, his rent. He was going to need a payout from the insurance company to help him with the reopening costs whenever that was going to occur. So he was counting on this money. He was counting on it. Eric's company is one of the millions of businesses in the U.S. with a type of insurance coverage called business interruption insurance. This type of coverage has been around for a long time. Business interruption insurance dates to the early 1900s. It was originally sold to these manufacturers who had boilers and other equipment that might fail. So the coverage provides for money to be paid by the insurance company to these businesses to tide them over until their businesses get back and up and running again. You know, once the boilers are repaired or the fire damage has been repaired, the building rebuilt perhaps. So it basically covers lost income plus operating expenses during the period that you're shut down. So it's sort of like your equipment is damaged, we're going to insure and cover that. But we're also going to cover some of the revenue that you would have had in this period when the machine wasn't working. Right. To business owners like Eric, this business interruption coverage was the perfect claim that he could make to recoup some of the money that he was losing because of the coronavirus. The pandemic had definitely interrupted his business. But the insurance money didn't come. His claim was rejected. He was told he had to have physical damage to his business to get the money. He said... I felt I took a gut punch when my representatives of the insurance company told me I had no coverage. And here I am just learning. The insurance company is saying, sorry, you had to have property damage before we're going to make a payment. It just doesn't make sense to the business owners. They feel like, I got insurance and I ought to pay out. Other businesses were hearing the same thing. And some claims were being rejected because of a specific exclusion written into the contract. The language is fairly plain English, and it appears in policies in bold-faced capital letters at the top of a page. The language is, and I quote, exclusion of loss due to virus or bacteria, end quote. Wow. A year ago, nobody reading a policy would have been on the lookout for language like that. Because who possibly envisioned the shutdowns that we're having today? But people at insurance companies are exactly the type of people who envision things like a shutdown caused by a pandemic. The SARS epidemic of the early 2000s was a wake-up call for the insurance industry of what might happen in the future with another virus So a lot of insurers had started using this exclusion after 2006. This language is believed to be in at least 50% of the policies that businesses hold. It may be in as many as 70% of the policies. For businesses with insurance policies that have this virus exclusion line in their contract, there's not much they can do about it. They're basically out of luck. But for businesses without that exclusion... The lawyer, John Hotelling, who hosted that fancy dinner party, was trying to figure out a way to get the insurance companies to pay up. 
John thought there might be a way around the insurance company requirement that businesses had to have physical property damage. He thought he could make a case that the coronavirus droplets are physical damage, that they stick to surfaces and make it unsafe to be at work. John and his associates went looking for precedent for other cases in which particles, gases, or smells had been considered physical damage. And he found some. One of the cases involves ammonia that was mistakenly released in a factory. And there was so much of this ammonia that the employees couldn't go in this factory building. That owner had sought a business interruption payout. And a judge ruled that, yeah, that ammonia, even though it was going to dissipate over time and didn't require any rebuilding or repairs of the factory for a period, it made that factory uninhabitable. So that was one. And then there was another case, which was in Oregon, where a Shakespeare festival that had outdoor performances was forced to cancel some of those outdoor performances because there was such heavy smoke in the air from nearby wildfires. Mm. They got a favorable ruling that that smoke counted as property loss. They at least temporarily lost the use of their outdoor theater. One other case involves the smell of cat urine in a condo building. So they were able to find at least four or five cases that things that were somewhat temporary in nature and once they dissipated, they didn't necessarily require any kind of quote-unquote rebuilding or repairs of the actual building. But the judges were persuaded that that created enough of a property loss that a claim could go forward. With this basis for a legal argument, John started jumping on phone calls. He lobbied public officials, asking them to write language into their shutdown orders that said the virus being in and around businesses caused physical damage. And ultimately, at least 14 or 15 orders have included a reference to the danger that the virus poses to property itself in creating a dangerous situation and damaging property. John thought that having that written into shutdown orders would make it easier for him to make the argument about property damage in court. But that wasn't his only move. John got on the phone with some of his famous friends in the restaurant business, people like Wolfgang Puck and Thomas Keller. They talked about the insurance problems they were having and formed a group called the Business Interruption Group. These prominent chefs started doing interviews, talking about what was happening with their insurance. Four of them were even able to land a phone call with President Trump. It's not completely unexpected when you remember that President Trump is a real estate developer and he's had nice restaurants in some of his buildings. Some of these chefs are people that Trump himself has mingled with in other settings. Mm-hmm. So four of these chefs were able to get a phone call on March 29th, and they chatted about how they were really struggling with their insurance companies and just were hoping there was something the president could do to stop these insurance companies from rejecting them. Two weeks after that call, the president brought up the issue at a public briefing. I would like to see the insurance companies pay if they need to pay, if it's fair. And they know what's fair, and I know what's fair. I can tell you very quickly. But John and his group weren't just making phone calls. The splashiest element in John's strategy was a massive PR campaign. In May, John and his allies launched a video that went up on a giant billboard in Times Square. 
Our production it features Whoopi Goldberg. Insurance companies and the federal government need to do the right thing now. In addition to a dancer, a musician, a chef, a rabbi. If you're not there for us now, then when will you be? All basically saying that this business interruption insurance is really vital to the ability of these New York institutions to get back on their feet. Insurance companies do the right thing. With all this effort, the Times Square ad, the pressure campaign on government officials, and the lawsuits that are starting to come in, many businesses are hoping that they're closer to getting the insurance money that could save them. But the insurance industry won't give up that easy. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. So this is a pretty intense campaign that John Hotelling and his group are running. They're calling government officials. They're on the phone with the president. They've got this ad running in Times Square. How is the insurance industry responding to this campaign? The industry has been making a pretty forceful argument that it never intended for the policies to cover pandemics, that it would just make no sense for them to do that. It would be suicide to offer such coverage. Why? Well, the whole concept of insurance is that a lot of people pay in, and in any given year, only a limited number will actually draw money out. Let's say you have 100 people in a little town who pay insurance, and then maybe two or three of them have a fire in any given year. Thus, there's enough to cover their claims and the profit for the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So when you have a pandemic, you have everybody paying in. But lo and behold, everybody claims at the same time. Uh That won't work. The insurance industry is saying that they don't have enough money to pay out all these claims at once. But not everyone buys that argument. One analyst that Leslie spoke to estimated that worst case, insurance companies could be liable for about $25 billion of business interruption claims. And she estimated that the industry could absorb a lot more than that, up to $150 billion. But the insurers say, no, no, no. You know, we can't go around using money that basically supports their solvency. And don't forget, the insurance company are saying, we need to have that money because we're now in hurricane season. Mm. That started June 1. And we're going to have wildfires. So the insurers are saying, we can't send all this out the door to these people who had business interruption claims 
because we may need it for this hurricane season or for wildfires. That is what the money's for. What are executives in the industry saying about this? A growing number of them are increasingly outspoken on the subject. For example, Evan Greenberg, who's the chief executive of Chubb Limited, and he expressed some of the thoughts in a first quarter earnings call in April. And at that point, he said, Lawyers and the trial bar will try to prove something exists that actually doesn't exist. And the industry will fight this tooth and nail. We will pay what we owe. Those are kind of the fighting words you're hearing out of C-suites. And those fights are starting to spill into the courts. Other lawyers agree with John that businesses should be covered and are testing the theory out. One case in New York took the theory head on. A publication called Social Life Magazine sued its insurance provider for a business interruption claim of nearly $200,000. The lawyer for the magazine said the coronavirus had damaged the property. But in the hearing, the judge didn't seem convinced. The judge said the virus, quote, damages lungs. It does not damage printing presses. You know, what she said was New York law is clear that to tap into business interruption coverage, you're going to need some damage to property. She told the lawyer for the magazine, you get a gold star for creativity. It seems like so far, John Hotelling's theory here about property damage coming from the fact that there's droplets of the virus on surfaces isn't really working so far. It's too early to say that. Uh You know, this one New York judge didn't go for it, but this is state-by-state stuff. Leslie and other insurance experts have seen before how the insurance industry can start out confident and still wind up losing billions of dollars. It happened in the 90s with asbestos. They started out in this asbestos fight, you know, decades ago, saying, we got this, we're good, our policies don't cover this. But the tide turned eventually, and they ultimately got stuck with about $100 billion in liability they hadn't expected. It's a risk when you have a lot of lawsuits being filed in a lot of different courts. Leslie says that some sympathetic judges will interpret the language in these contracts as broadly as possible and rule in favor of businesses, which could save some of the ones struggling right now. But no matter what happens, this situation has raised a big question about what insurance is really for. Insurance companies want to present themselves as being there at all times and being essential in the lives of their customers. But in doing so, it can foster this notion that they cover absolutely everything. But they don't. And in the future, if they lose these cases, they might cover even less. Some people fear that if the insurance industry suffers a lot of losses here, they'll just cancel this line of coverage. They may just say, you know what, we offered that because it was a good way to help our policyholders who had fires or hurricanes or suffered other kind of damage that we saw as being covered by these policies. But if we're going to be sued right and left by lawyers seeking to broaden that, and that's not what we mean to do, we'll just have to cancel the whole line. But for now, the industry is setting up to fight the hundreds of cases that have already been filed and the new cases being filed every week. 
It's just two very different points of view that are colliding, and we don't know what the outcome's going to be. That's all for today, Thursday, July 2nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show's made by Gerard Cole, Pia Gadkari, Annie Minoff, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rostrasser, and Rob Zipko. Our show is engineered by Griffin Tanner with help from Sam Baer. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Emma Munger, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. We're off tomorrow for Independence Day. Hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.